Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Begin a very beautiful week. We are up to the seventh chapter in Baba Kama, Perik Meruba, page 73a. We dedicate this class to brothers and sisters the Holy Line, especially those in the front line. May all the wounded have a full and speedy recovery. May all the hostages, it's 100 days today, may they return home safely to their families. So, we started yesterday as an argument, a classical argument in Rav and Abaye. Abaye and Rav, and this is the, one of the exceptions where the law follow one of the six exceptions where the law follows Abaye. The argument is Edim Zeymin. Edim Zeymin, the Torah says that if two witnesses are found to be to be fi- found to be liars, not the, the testimony is a lie. They themselves, in other words, they themselves are, not like they witness that this person murdered someone and then two witnesses come and say, no, he didn't murder it. So then the testimony itself is a questionable. Here we're saying, that we find out that they are liars. So we have to do research. So obviously, we're not talking about a case where the, the dead person walks into the court. <laughs> He's very much alive. Uh, then I don't have to do any research. I know that they're liars. We're talking about a case where the second set of witnesses comes and says, we don't know if you're telling the truth or not. But one thing we know for certain, that you can't testify because you weren't there. We were skiing up north then. You weren't present. You were far away. So in that case, we have to do research in that case, then we disqualify the witnesses and what's their penalty? Whatever they try to do unto others, they do unto others. Because the fact that you dared to testify when you couldn't, you weren't even in a position to testify, you're a false witness, the Torah, only in this specific case, there is this specific penalty. If, 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 the, if you testify that someone murdered someone and the person that supposedly dies walks into the court case, you don't get this penalty even though you know for certain they're liars. Only in this specific case, when the other witnesses come and say that, how could you testify? You weren't even, you weren't even there with us. So therefore, in that case, the Torah says that they're Adam Zemin, and the penalty is you try to kill someone else, we kill you. You try to, to make them pay financially, you have to pay. Whatever you try to do to them, you, you do to yourself. The argument in Abayah and Rav, what are the arguments? Abayah says that the moment, the, the moment they testified and then we established, could be six months later, the witnesses come and testify, you were with liars, us. Yeah. And retroactively, we know from that point on, the liars, any testimony they gave in the last six months, you throw out. Yeah, but everybody like, did business with them. You throw out. That's the problem. Now, Rava says, no. You only, only from the moment that the, the witnesses that come, from that forward. point on, going forward, then they're, they're disqualified. Then, they're, then they're disqualified as witnesses. Now, what is this? What are they? What are they arguing? So they say. So first, one explanation is that because it's a chiddush. In other words, why do you believe the second set of witnesses over the first set of witnesses? When two witnesses contradict each other, I don't know who to believe. Let's say you say he murdered. He says he didn't murder. I have two kosher Jews. Two kosher Jews, one set of witnesses saying this, one said, I have no reason to believe you over the other. I don't know who's telling the truth. You know what? As far as we know, one of you is, is a liar, 
and therefore you can't uh, you can't uh, so therefore I can't I can't accept the, the verdict but here why are you believing the second set over the first set the first set we were there <laughs> you say we weren't there and the second thing the second set says we were there why in the world should we believe the second set over the first set so therefore since it's a chidr because it's two against two, why do you listen to the second one? Therefore, the Torah is telling us, and that's what the Rambam refers to it as a gzeda sakasa. It's a It's a decree. The Torah decrees. We don't understand it logically. Why do you believe the second set over the first set? That you you that you, you label the first set as liars and and you put them and and you believe the second set and you put them to death. And um, why? Why would you believe this for the first set over the second? The second set over the first set. Now, what does Abaya hold? What, according to this explanation, what's Abaya's reasoning? Abaya will argue. So Rabbi says. So it's enough. What the Torah says from this moment on, when the witnesses come and disqualify the second set of witnesses come and disqualify the first set only from that moment on do we believe it's enough the Chiddush it's enough from that moment on we no longer believe the first set of witnesses we designate them as false witnesses and what's Abayah's counter argument Abayah disagrees Abayah says retroactive so there's two there's two explanations one explanation is that Abayah disagrees with the whole premise who says it's a Chiddush it's not a Chiddush at all it's very logical as the tour brings he disagrees with the Rambam, it seems. He doesn't say it's a Xerus HaKosov. He says it's a very logical, I'll make you a logical distinction between the case of two witnesses who contradict, two sets of witnesses who contradict each other versus in the case of Azam. Two, two, two sets of witnesses contradict each other. They're both testifying on the same episode. You say this happened, I say something else happened. I don't know who to believe. So they contradict each other. So there's no chid. I just throw out. I throw both of them out. I don't, I don't know who which one of you is a liar. It can only be one truth there. One is a lie. One is a truth. I don't know who's telling the lie. I don't know who's telling the truth. So you're both out of here, and and the the case is thrown out. But here it's different. The second set of witnesses are not contradicting the the testimony. They're not saying that what you said it did happen. It didn't happen. I have no idea. I'm saying, all they're saying is you are not in the position to testify, period, because you weren't there. In other words, they are, they are, they are saying, they are saying it's impossible for you to have testified. So they are testifying on the witnesses. Could you be a witness? Could you be? Can't you be a witness? It's personal. So therefore, and they can't, well, well, but we say we were there. It's two against two. No, no, you can't testify on yourself. Well, just like you can't testify, just like in the case if, they, if two witnesses come and say that they're thieves. They're disqualified witnesses because we, we, they stole money. So the, a thief is a disqualified witness. Or we saw them eat chazer. They're disqualified witness. You can't say, well, it's two against two. It's not two against two. We are disqualifying you. You can't testify on your own behalf. It's not a contradiction. You, we're not discussing the testimony. We don't know if what you said happened or didn't happen. We don't know if, if you were there. You weren't there. The, but what we know is you are not a qualified witness. You are a Russia. You're an evil person. You're the Russia. You discard the Torah. You, you steal. You violate a prohibition against lashes or you steal. So, of course, for there for certain, you believe a second set. It's no chiddush. The Torah says, of course, you believe a second set, not the first set. 
So, the, so in this case, it's similar. Even though the second set of witnesses are not disqualifying the first, are not disqualifying the first set. All they're saying is that you weren't there, you weren't present. We're contradicting. You weren't present. They said we were present, but it's more personal. It's similar to that. They could say he was a robber, and so the, a robber can't testify. Right, right, but, but they don't say that. So therefore, we say that, um, and therefore, they they are, and that's why it's more logical. It's not such a chiddush. It's similar to the case of a second set of witness coming and, and disqualifying the first set of witness. So those are disqualifying the first set of witnesses. We're saying that you weren't present. That could be a bias argument. Right, okay. That's right. Or the Rambam doesn't say that because the law doesn't follow Rav, and yet the Rambam says it's a Gzeris HaKasav. Gzeris HaKasav means it's a decree in the, of the Torah. It makes no sense logically. Why in this case do we believe the second set or the first set? So the Rambam will say Abaya also agrees with the Rav's premise that it's a Chiddush. It really makes no sense. But he disagrees with Rav's conclusion. Rav says if it's a Chiddush, then it only begins from the point, this point going forward. When the witnesses come. He says, no, if the Torah says, once the Torah tells me this Chiddush, once the Torah tells me this decree, that for whatever reason Hashem says you believe the second set over the first set, then once you believe the first second set, then the moment they testify from that point on, going forward, any testimony they gave, throw out of court. They're liars. A very, very profound question. I'm very impressed, Rafael. Uh, you ask Taisu's question. Taisu says, there's a concept of a migui. A migui means that if, you, if a person is a liar, you could have said a better lie. So he says, what's the chiddush that you believe the second set of witnesses over the first set? In the case of Eidei Azama, Zoymimim, they say you weren't present, how could you testify? They have a migui. If they're liars, they could have disqualified them just by saying, if they're liars, they could have said something better. You were thieves. And there no one argues. There's no, there's no one argues that they are disqualified. And of course, then... And if, then, of course, no one argues... No one argues in that case that they become disqualified from the moment... The moment we find out that they're thieves and the moment they stole, they are disqualified. And any testimony they gave going f- from that point on, they're disqualified. So they have a migui. So why don't you believe him because of a migui? So Taisu gives very interesting answers. One answer, he says, a migui is only in case of one person. If he's a liar, he would have said a better lie. That's only one person. Get two Jews to agree on one thing. To say that, two, that the witnesses, a set of witnesses, two Jews, they have a migui, it doesn't make any sense. What are the chances that you're going to get two Jews to say the same thing, to agree on the same thing? So therefore, there's no migui. Off the, off the bat, there's no migui when it comes to two people, two Jews. But another answer, he says, it's like a migui mukhamed. You don't believe a migui. A migui is not stronger than Nathan. If two witnesses come and testify against, even if you have a migui, who are you going to believe? The one who has the migui, the one who has, who has the witnesses? The witnesses. Witnesses are much more powerful than a migui. So here, it doesn't matter you have a migui. Since I have two witnesses against it, two witnesses say we were there, that's not a reason to believe them. It's another explanation we left off, and Rabbi gives another, another explanation to explain Rabbi's opinion. Is really he agrees with Abayev. Really he agrees with Abayev. That really he should be. Once the Adam Zayman come, the witnesses should be disqualified from the moment they give testimony. And any witness, any testimony they give afterwards should be disqualified. 
The reason why Rava says it's only from now going forward is a special enactment by the rabbis. Because any purchase that was done in the meanwhile, if you're going to disqualify them retroactively, you're going to, you're going to, commerce will come to a crashing halt. How can I do business? I have kosher witnesses, as far as I know the kosher witnesses. Six months later, down the road, I'm going to find out that retroactively the whole thing was wrong. Well, there was no witnesses. So this real estate deal that I bought, I got a steal and I bought and I had kosher witnesses. You're going to tell me this whole document is worthless? And so, you know, so the rabbis made an enactment. You know what? Only from the moment that he becomes known as a, as, as a disqualified witness, from that point on, going forward... Now the rabbis have a power to do this. Why do the rabbis have a power to do this? When it comes to financial matters, Hashem gave the power tremendous latitude. They can take the money away from you. They have tremendous latitude. So the rabbis say that even though legally they should be disqualified retroactively, but the rabbi said, you know what, We're keeping, you can keep the money. We have that power. Now, what's the difference in these two reasonings, rationales for Rabbi's approach? One, the Gemara gives two, two distinctions. Really, the Gemara could have given a very, a, a very simple distinction, like we just said. That this would only, according to the second reasoning, this would only apply in the case, a financial case, with a first set of witnesses testified falsely for a financial case. He owes money, he doesn't owe money. And then the second set of witnesses says, well, Adam Zeman, you, you were liars, you weren't present, how could you testify? In that case, Rava made a special enactment that only from now on, going forward, are they disqualified witnesses. Because the, for, the, for, the, for the marketplace, to keep the marketplace uh, running smoothly. But in the case where the, the case was a capital case, a case of lashes, a case of capital crime, the false witnesses, the first witnesses came to sentence someone to death or, or to give them lashes, then Rava is not arguing with Abayi. And the Adam the Zayim and the second set of witnesses come six months later, then Rava would agree with Rabbi that even six months, six months earlier, the moment they testified, we establish that they're false witnesses, and any testimony they gave in the interim is, is thrown out of court. Fine, the Gemara could have said that. But right now, the Gemara wants to make a distinction within, financial, within the financial thing itself. So he gives, he gives, he gives to. Two distinctions. There's one distinction is What if yet two yet two sets, two separate sets come and testify against the first set? One set testified against one of the witnesses that he was present with us, and then another two witnesses come and testify against the other witness. The other, first, the other of the first witnesses that he was with us. In this case, there's no chiddush. I believe two against one. Of course I believe two against one. So there there's no chiddush. In that case, Rabbi would agree to Abaya that, that retroactively they become apostle. But according to the second reason, it's because it's not about them. It's about for the marketplace. To make sure that the buyer doesn't get messed up. So that's the case. What difference does it make? To do business. In that case, what, in that case, what difference does it make? If it's two against one, two against one. In that case, Rabbi would also say that only disqualify going forward when it becomes public knowledge that they are false witness. I'll give you another distinction, even in financial matters. 
If they come and they disqualify the witnesses themselves, not they say that you were present with us and you couldn't have been there. They, they disqualify them and they say you, you, you're disqualified as witnesses. You're a thief. You're a Russia. You're not a kosher thief. I mean, I'm sorry, you're not a kosher witness. So according to the second reasoning of Rava, even in this case, we would say only from that point on, when it became public knowledge, when the witnesses came forward to testify that they are disqualified. Anything before, any testimony they gave before is, is legal and, and good. But according to the reason that Rava disagrees, because Chiddush, in this case, there is no Chiddush. There's no chiddush. Of course you believe a second set of witnesses. You can't say, well, the two witnesses contradict them. No, they can't testify in themselves that they're, no, we're honest. You're saying we're thieves, we're saying we're honest. They're not contradicting the, 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 the thing itself. In the case of Azama, they are contradicting the testimony. You're saying that I was there and I witnessed him doing this and this act. We're saying you weren't there, you weren't present at that moment. Yeah. In a, it's similar to, to, to a Gazlanus, but it's not really Gazlanus. It's similar to Gazlanus because they're not testifying whether this happened or didn't happen. The second set is not saying whether it's true or false. Whether he killed him, he didn't kill him, he, he owed him money, he didn't owe him. All we're saying is that you weren't present. You can't testify, but nevertheless, they are contradicting this episode, specific episode. Versus in the case of Gazlonim, they're just basically saying that you are disqualified to be any witness, nothing to do with this case. So in that case, it's clear there's no chiddush, but in, and therefore even Rabbi would agree that they become disqualified retroactively. However, there are six exceptions. Usually the, the rule is, the law always follows the rabbi. But every rule has an exception. The exception is Yal Kagam. Yal is Yirsh, Yirsh Le Midas. Everyone knows that. We also encountered it earlier. Yirsh Le Midas. If you don't know, the, the owner doesn't know yet that, that he, he lost the item. Had he known, he surely would give up hope. And the moment he finds out, he disappears. It doesn't matter. Since he did not know it, it's not still his. And Ayin is the aid. Aidim Zemim. That's the ayin. And the, the lamid is the lechi ayin We already learned that in the laws of Shabbos and Edevin. If that's considered the lechi, a, a, um, a side street, dead end street, there's three walls. If you need, if a lechi needs, requires a lechi to carry, if you didn't, if it's not, it's not a man made edev, it just happens on its own. If it's considered a kosher, a, a, a lechi. And, the, and then Kalgam, also we had it earlier in Kiddushan, Kiddushan Shanim, so one, one makes a Kiddushan to two sisters, he doesn't know which one. So practically he can't consummate the marriage, because since I don't know which one, I can't just choose one, because maybe it's the sister of his wife, it's the other one. 
and therefore, and even if they, even if he gives a divorce, it doesn't help because if you, you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister even after a divorce, unless she, until she dies. So it's kiddushin lebiyas or bias. So whether it's a kiddushin at all, so it's an argument of bias and rabbi. The law follows a bias. And then gilui daita begita. If if the husband reveals, doesn't say explicitly, but it's. It's pretty clear. Pretty clear what his uh, what his intent is. If he can nullify, if it's considered that he nullified the get. And the last one is mumer echel nevelas lahach is a mumer if he's a, disqualified from being a witness. Okay. The Gemara continues. If a person stole ox or sheep, and then two witnesses, and then he stole, and then he slaughtered and he sold it, and the same witnesses testify, the same witnesses testified that he stole, and the same witnesses testified that that this, the thief who then went ahead and slaughtered or sold the sheep or ox. And obligated him to pay four or five sheep, uh, four, four, four uh, sheep and five ox. And then the Venim Suzeman, that turned out to be false witnesses. They have to pay everything. Okay, that's the mission. Surely we're talking about a case where first they testified that he stole, then they came back and they testified that he slaughtered. It wasn't simultaneously. First they they stole, then he came back the next day. Oh, the next day we saw that he went ahead. Not only bad enough that he stole, which at least he would have returned the sheep and the axe itself. Then he went ahead and deepened, intensified his theft. He went ahead and and, and slaughtered it or sold it. And then they they became Zaymamin and the Geneva. Because it was two separate testimonies. So first, two, two witnesses come and say, how could you testify that on Tuesday he stole it? On Tuesday we were skiing oh, and hunting hunt the mountain. What are, you, what are you hacking? You weren't even present. And then, then, how could, then another witnesses came and said, how could you say that on Wednesday you saw him? Wednesday? You were in a different place. Like Abaya, the law follows Abaya that retroactively. He becomes puzzled. Once you establish that they're false witnesses from the moment on the Geneva, so the testimony on Tuesday, so from Tuesday they become, they become false witnesses. So then retroactively, now any testimony they gave going forward, they're disqualified witnesses. So my Why should they pay? They're ready, they're ready, the person is exempt from paying the penalty. A man is never But apparently... People are mocked with the balance. I'm reading about and you have her all wrong. No, we're talking about it. First, they became Zaymamin on the Tvicha or the Mechida. 
At that time, there were still cultural witnesses. At that time, it's only from that point going forward they're not kosher witnesses. But at that time, when they gave the testimony, there were kosher witnesses. But Amri and Yeshiva, they said back, but safe, safe, at the end of the day, yeah, but at the end of the day, once the second set of witness comes and, ter- and testifies that they couldn't have, that they're false witnesses, their testimony about the theft is also false witness. So from that point on, they become designated as false witnesses. And any wit- testimony they gave going forward is false, is thrown out of court. Why do they have to pay for the tvicha if you throw out their testimony? Then their testimony no longer obligates the owner to pay four or five times. You have to say, the law is talking about they testified at the same time. They te- it was one testimony. It was one testimony. They came and they said, how could you say, how could you testify that they stole and, and slaughtered the animal? You were with us that time. As long as they testified simultaneously on both items, they said that he stole and he slaughtered it. They said it took they did but immediately. So therefore, it's one testimony. You can still retract if you're saying take they did. It's one single testimony. It's a valid testimony. And then the hazam, when they were found out to be false, first they had to be found out to be false on the part that, they, that he slaughtered. That they testify at the same time, that he stole it on Sunday and he slaughtered it on Monday. Then two witnesses come and say, wait a minute, how could you testify that Monday he slaughtered it? You were, we were skiing on Monday. So therefore they become liable for, for they become liable to pay for, to pay for four and five. Now, if, if they come, if the first witnesses come and say you stole the money, I mean, how could you testify that you stole on Sunday, you were away, you weren't present? Then you wouldn't be, you would be exempt from everything. Because if you didn't steal it, you can't testify that he's a thief. Even if what you're saying is true, that, they, that he slaughtered it on Monday and he stole it on Monday, what's the problem? Maybe he, so, he slaughtered his own animal. If you, if you no lo- can no longer testify whether he's a thief or not, then, then well, so what? That he saw him uh, slaughter it, he saw him sell it. Maybe he sold his own. So you have to say that first they testified that you couldn't have testified about his stealing. You've established that he's a thief, but you can't see. So, yeah, a thief, we believe you. But how can you say that he's, uh, he slaughtered it illegally or he sold it illegally? You weren't even present. You can't even testify one way or the other. So then they become obligated to pay the three and the five. Later on, someone comes and says, how could you testify that he stole it? You weren't even present. So then he becomes obligated to pay everything, everything. Two and then the other, on top of that, another two or another three. I, I think it's a, for me, it's just boggles my mind. Can I let's say this argument is an argument of Tanoya. We learn two witnesses testify that he stole. And they, the same witnesses testify that then he went ahead and he slaughtered the animal that he stole, the sheep, or the ox that he stole. Who's Malagan neighbor? They were found. Zaymin on the theft. Eidash about Lemmichal. So if since partially it's invalidated, the whole thing is invalidated. 
even though they were found false, and therefore the penalty is they have to whatever they try to do to the other, they have to do. They only have to pay double because they were found false on the theft. But but they weren't found false on the on the uh, part that they said that he slaughtered it, so they don't have to pay. They don't have to pay the full four or five. I don't know if that's how it works. I mean, defendant doesn't have to pay anything. What if, what if uh, you're like uh, 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 a false, false witness? They, their penalties, they have to pay double. Who's Malatvicha? But what if first they became Malatvicha? How can you testify that on Monday they slaughtered it? You weren't even present. So who Mishalms will give? The defendant has to pay the double. He's still, they're not saying that he didn't steal it. He's not saying that the testimony about the theft is wrong. You, you weren't able to testify. Maybe you weren't able to testify. And they weren't liars then. They only were established liars on Monday. On Sunday, they weren't liars. They, we know that Monday on, they're liars. So what they testify that on Sunday he stole, we believe them. So the, the, the thief has to pay double. But we established that on, on Monday they're liars. They testified that the thief uh, slaughtered it. You weren't even present. And you tried to make the thief pay an extra three. So therefore they have to pay the extra. So whatever they try to do to him, they have to pay. That's their penalty for being false witnesses. That's the first opinion. I'm Rabbi Yesi. Rabbi Yesi argues. says, When do we say this? If it's two sets of witnesses, one testifies about the theft, one testifies about the slaughter. It's the same witness that testified that on Sunday he stole it, and on Monday he slaughtered it. See, even though we only found that they were false on, they were false about the testimony that he, that he slaughtered it, but it's what they came in one testimony, in one false swoop, they came to the court, and they're testifying in one sentence. He stole it on Sunday, and we see we saw, we saw him stole it on Sunday, stealing it on Sunday. And we saw him slaughtering it on Monday. So if if you throw out one part of the testimony, you can't keep the other part of the testimony. If they're liars and thieves, it was a separate case is one thing. If it's two separate witnesses is one thing. But if it's the same witness about the same case, and you're throwing out half of his testimony because he's a liar, how can I accept the other half of the testimony? Why should the first? Why should the, the 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 thief have to pay double based on their testimony? So that's so you see that this is an argument. What did Abiyasi mean when he said to Adis? My What does he mean? One one. Are you lame if you're going to say the simple reading of it, which means is meaning two sets of witnesses. You can't say that. And beidasachas, which means means one set of witnesses. And if you're going to explain that way, so Rabbi Yehoshua is coming to say, if it's if it's one set of witnesses, it doesn't matter if it wasn't simultaneously. Even if it was, 
even if he came on Sunday, even if he came one day and he said, we saw him steal. The next day he came, oh, we come back to court. Here we are. We saw, we saw he deepened the crime. Not only did he steal, he took the, the sheep or the ox that he stole and now he slaughtered it. And nevertheless, he says, When they become Adam Zaymamin, when they're rendered false witnesses, about the testimony on the slaughtering, then we no longer believe what they said about the theft. And the, and the, the thief doesn't have to pay double. Why? Where do you learn this from? Why? At that point, there was still kosher witness. They came two different days. They came on Sunday, and they say, we saw him steal. They're kosher witnesses. Then they come back to court on Monday, and they say, we saw him slaughter. Then another set of witnesses come and said, how could you say you saw him on Monday slaughtering? We were way out of town together. So from that point on, he's a, he's a, he's a, they're, they're false witnesses. So from that point on, they become disqualified. But when on Sunday, the testimony gave on Sunday, why shouldn't we listen to it? Why not? At that point, there were kosher witnesses. A person could turn a rasha, a person could turn sour. It doesn't mean all his life he was a rasha. Even Abayah says, only going forward, you don't believe it. Not anything that they testified before. So why in the world would Rabbi Yaisi say that, uh, that you don't have to pay, the thief doesn't have to pay double? The whole testimony is disqualified. So surely you can't say that. El Alav, surely we must be talking about B'shteyedis. B'shteyedis means We're talking about one set of witnesses. But they, they, they testified in two different times. One group of witnesses that testified. Like one group of witnesses testified about the theft and the slaughter, one coming one after the other, two different times. It's like two, it's like two separate groups. If it's one group and they come and they testify simultaneously, in one sentence, that they, he stole on Sunday and they slaughtered it on Monday. In that case, then you say that since it's partially... You can't take a half of a testimony. If you're throwing out one half of the sentence, you also have to throw out the other half of the sentence. If it's with, with the same breath, and it's, it's one testimony, if you're throwing out one half of the testimony, because it happens simultaneously. So that's clearly the meaning of Rabbi Yisai. What's then the argument in the rabbis and, and Rabbi Yisai? And the rabbis in the academy thought... Everyone holds, everyone holds that if it's within the same few words, it's one string, it's one sentence, it's considered like one solid unit, one testimony. So then what are they arguing? What are the, why do the rabbis say that in that case the thief has to pay double even though you throw out half, half of the sentence? Half of the testimony, the other half of the testimony remains intact. My love, surely, this is what they're arguing. The rabbis hold like a bayit. That it's only now going forward you become possible. Any testimony going forward. Since for since he was only found a liar about, about the time of the slaughter. And therefore on theft he wasn't. On theft, on theft, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, yeah. on theft, no, but what are we going to do? I'm going to And the Rabbi Yaisi holds, Rabbi Yaisi holds like a buyer that they become retroactive. 
the moment they testify, they become disqualified. He is once he becomes disqualified on the tricha, he becomes established as labeled as a false witness on the slaughter. Now he also becomes zeimimin regarding the theft because it happened in the same same breath. It's one one uh, one statement. So therefore, it's an old argument. The is an argument between Rabbi Yaisi and the rabbis. I mean, they become made on the theft that they have to pay double. No, they only have to pay three because they were, they were never, no one testified that they weren't present at the time, that they can't testify that he stole it. But nevertheless, the thief doesn't have to pay double. They answered in the yeshiva, it's not so. They really, I'll tell you, if everyone holds, then you'll be correct. Everyone would hold. It's one testimony, and if you throw out half of the testimony, you have to throw out the whole testimony. You can't take, pick and choose. I take this, I don't like this. They're arguing about this fact itself, this whole premise. Who says that is considered like Dibur? is considered as one. We continue on side B, 73B. It's not, we don't consider it as one, as part of the same. It's like two separate testimonies. It's as if they came on two separate days. So therefore, the first testimony is not thrown out. One has nothing to do with the other. We divide the two. No, it is. It's considered as one. Does Rabbi Yesi indeed hold? That is a rationale. We learn in the Mishnah and track the Tamudah. A person says that this animal, Tamudah says he's not allowed to substitute the sacrifice for another sacrifice, another animal. And if you do, not only didn't you substitute it, they both now become holy and become sacrificed. The first one remains a sacrifice, holy sacrifice, and the, and the, and the second one, the other animal also. So he says, what if he says, this animal is Tmudus Eilu, Tmudus Now, which one is it? It can, only, it can only be one. Either it's a burnt offering, either you designate it as a burnt offering, you designate it as a pizza offering. It says, you follow the first thing he said. He said it's Tmudus Eilu, so the Tmudus also becomes designated as a burnt offering. If that was his intent, we ask him, what, what was your original intent? It can't be both. Which one did he have in mind? If he says, I originally wanted to make... If his intent was, I wanted both. I actually wanted both. I wanted this animal to be a substitute both for the burnt offering and for the peace offering. Since it's impossible, you can't have one animal being both a burnt offering and a peace offering. You know, only in America you can have Jave. Jews for J. Only in America you can have only in America you can have vegetarians for meat. You know, it's a, you can't have. Two, it's an op, It's a kind of, You can't have. It's either oil or shlavim. You can't have both. But since it's impossible, right? Since it's impossible, the word of kayamin. So therefore, his words stand. 
his words then. It's impossible, so what do you do? What you do is, yeah, it's a, it's, you treat it as a holy sacrifice. You have to let it get a blemish. And then, and then once it gets a blemish, then you sell it. And then you sell it, you redeem it, and you take the money, and half of the money you buy, you buy a burnt offering, an animal for a burnt offering. And half of the money you purchase a animal to offer as a piece of another. If he says my intent was to designate it as both, now it's humanly impossible to say both words simultaneously. So I have to say one before the other, but I didn't mean one is primary and the other is secondary. So therefore, I said a burnt offering and a peace offering. I meant both together. So what do we see now? If he said if he said first he said this animal should be a substitute for burnt offering, and then he changes his mind. He said be a substitute for peace offering. I think the tumudah and certainly it's a tumudah because you follow the first thing he said. You can't you can't regret it anymore. It's too late. Once it's once it has designated as a burnt offering, it's too late. You can't change. Bavinibon, we ask nimlach pshita. Obviously, then what's he coming to teach me? Obviously. You can't change it. Once, once it's done, it's done. Bamrapapen, he means nimla, but take a day but he changed his mind. Come in, he, he changed his mind within, within saying Shalom Alecharebi, within saying a few words. And never, that's the chiddush, that's the novelty. He's saying, even then, you can't take it back. It's too late. So we see Rabbi Yitzhi hold that take a day doesn't change anything. It's not enough to change, even if it's within the breath, the same breath, oh, you take it back. There's no such thing. Once you said it, it's done. It's out of, the cat is out of the bag. That's it. There's no going back. Once the baby is out of the womb, there's no, there's no putting it back. You can't put it back in the bottle. It's done. So how can you say here that Yaisi holds the Turkish people do with me? And that's what Yaisi says that the thief doesn't have to pay the penalty of to uh, since you throw out half of the testimony. The testimony that they're established as false witnesses regarding the slaughtering. Therefore, you don't believe them also regarding the testimony regarding the theft. How can you say that? Because take the dibudam is considered one. One testimony, if you, and if you throw out half, you have to throw out the other half as well. Abiyashi doesn't hold like this. Tommy, they answer, There's two types of Kedeh One, the amount of time it takes for a student to ask his Rebbe, Shalom Aleichem. And the other is how long it takes for a teacher to inquire to greet a student. He loves the Rabbi Yezi. When does Rabbi Yezi doesn't hold take the dummy, the Shilas Talmud Ladav? The amount of time it takes for a student to inquire to greet a teacher, which is Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Yemayri, enough, which is longer. Four words. Four words. So if you pause for the amount of time it would take you to say four words, and then you continue, that's a new sentence. It's a new thing. First you said that this should be a substitute for a burnt offering, and then you were silent. The, the amount of time it takes you to say four words, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Amadi. And then you, you change your mind and you say, I, a substitute, a substitute. For, no, you waited, you had a pause. You had a pause. And then you say uh, substitute for a peace offering. That's too long of a pause. And we follow the first thing. 
But if but Shilas and Rabbi Talmud, Rav refers to his Talmud only three words: Shalom Aleichem, Talmidei, or Shalom Aleichem, even two words. They don't have to say anything else. Shalom Aleichem. Such a short pause, and he changes his mind within the amount of time it takes you to say two words. Even even Rabbi Yaisi would agree that that's considered. A you know, I think the student is not allowed to say Shalom Aleichem to his teacher. It means he can't greet him like any other person. Ah, Shalom Aleichem. If you treat him with respect, Shalom Aleichem, that be a is respectful. But that's if you're a teacher and a student. But if you're a slave, a, a servant, you can't even say Shalom Aleichem. You're completely nullified before you see so your master. You, you don't give Shalom Aleichem. He's not your friend. You say Shalom Aleichem. Who are you greeting? He's Ebed. And the rabbis disagree. The rabbis argue that no, that there's no such concept as changing your mind, even if it's, even even if it's within two words. Okay, Amar Rav Rav says, What if two witnesses were contradicted? Two witnesses say this person murdered someone. Another two witnesses say it's not true. He didn't murder. And then and then. Turns out one of the set of witnesses was became Adam Zayman. They the another two set of witnesses come and say, "How could you testify? You weren't even present." Nedogin, they're executed. Why? Why did they get executed? Once they were contradicted, we throw them out of court. Right? We throw both testimonies out of court. So then they're disqualified. So then why? If they're disqualified, why could you be found Adam Zaymin? They were already thrown out of court. No, they are found Adam Zaymin and they're killed. Whatever they tried to do others, why? It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a Hakosh is the beginning of Azam. Because what are they saying? You're liars. It's not true what you're saying. The Azam is also saying you're liars. It's not true. It's not true what you're saying. We don't know if what, if what happened happened or didn't happen, but it's not true what you're saying. You were there. You weren't there. You weren't even present. So it's a continuation of the previous akasha, and therefore they they get the penalty of Adam Zayim. Rav says, "Where do I know this from?" It's a big chiddush. He blinded the eye of his slave. And then he knocked his tooth out, his, his, his adult tooth out. And the, uh, the supporting what the Rav said, what the Master is saying, exactly what happened. And they testified to what the Master is saying. And it turns out, the witnesses were liars, they were rendered Zemmin because they weren't even present. They can't testify in this matter, period. The shaman may have been left. So they have to pay the value of the eye to the slave. Because they tried to... They tried to deprive the, the slave from payment of the eye. So therefore, they have to pay the value of the eyes of the slave. So you might analyze it. What are we talking about? As stated, you only have these two sets that are mentioned in the Brayzim. Why do you have to pay for the for the eye to the slave? If 
If they brought him to freedom, they testify the master blinded his eye. What happens if a master blinds the eye? Your slave is not your it's not your toy thing you can torture. The Torah says if you if you blind his eye, he goes free. It's immoral. You can't just beat up your slave because he's your slave. I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to take his eye out. I can do whatever I want with him. No. He's a human being. You can't kill him. And you, can't, you can't just... You can't, it's immoral. And if you do so, the Torah says he automatically goes free. So why the value of the eye... If they made him go free... Why should they pay the value of that? They made him go free. Because they said, they didn't deprive him of anything. They set him free. Why should they pay the value of the eye? They set him free. They made him a free person. Based on their false testimony, they made him free. So, so what, what, what do you mean? Why should they pay him anything? They helped him. They didn't harm him. He should pay the master. You forced the master to set to set the slave free when he shouldn't have gone free. You testify that it was the master who poked his eye out. You weren't even present. And if it's the master who poked the eye out, the, the, you set the slave free based on your testimony. You deprive the master of the slave. Why are you paying the slave? You didn't hurt the slave. You you helped the slave. You hurt the master. You should pay the master, not for the eye. Paying for the for, for the for everything. The full slave. in addition, what do you mean? And because the Rav agrees with them. The master is happy with the testimony. He should be horrified with the testimony. The Rav denies it. He's screaming from the rooftops. It's not true. I did not poke his eye out. The slave does not deserve to go free. So surely we have to say the Bryce is talking about a case. We're talking about two other witnesses came said. Two witnesses came, two other witnesses, before this witness, said that the, the master knocked out his tooth and then he blinded. So once he knocked out his tooth, the main. So now he knocked out his tooth, the, the, the slave goes free. And his adult tooth, the slave goes free. And now that he blinded him, he has to pay. He's an independent person, he's free, and you, you, you blinded him. You have to pay the financial penalty, the value of the eye. And then comes a second set of witnesses. That's where the Braise begins. The second set of witnesses say, No, you have it wrong. It was in the reverse order. First, he knocked out his eye, and then it's much less expensive. You pay for a knocked out tooth, it's much less than you pay for blinding a person, for making him blind, taking out his eyes. And, and now I have two sets of witnesses contradicting each other. That's what I mean. That Rav is happy with their testimony. He likes what the second set over the first set. Because the second set only obligates him to pay for, the, for a tooth. While the first set is trying to obligate him to pay for an eye. And then we learned the Braithim Zemimitsiyoi, and then the, the second set of witnesses are found to be Adam Zemimin. The middle set of witnesses found to be Adam Zemimin. False witnesses because they weren't even present, they couldn't even have testified. And that's what they said, Meshaman and Mayayin Lev. They tried to deprive 
This servant, without their testimony, the servant would have gotten the value of his eye. Because of their testimony, now they deprived him of the value of the eye. He's only going to get the value of his tooth. And now that they're found to be false witnesses, they have to pay the servant the, the value that they lost. So what do we see from here? How is this a proof to his point? Because if you're going to, since the two witnesses contradicted each other, we throw them both out, so they're out of the court, so whatever happens now, you should say that Zama is meaningless. And we say, no, it's just the beginning of that Zama. Let's finish already to the end. I think he's coming up with a head there like this. But we'll continue this tomorrow. I buy the speeches.